morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? It is time for Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And as always, this is where we take your questions. If you're not already watching on the Facebook page, head on over there and you can leave your questions in the comment section of the live video. And of course, uh, since we had our last one of these, we signed Ryan Griffin. So it was kind of funny that we'd had questions recently about the backup quarterback situation. And your answer had been, we don't have any because <laughs> technically they hadn't been re-signed yet. So at least now we do know there is technically a backup quarterback on the roster. So tell me about this re-signing, what this could mean and uh, what we know about what this means overall quarterback draft, you know, roster, all of that stuff. Yeah. Now we have two, we have Tom Brady and Ryan Griffin and, uh, I think you'll probably end up with four for the start of training camp and uh, the way the patterns held for years now taking three into the regular season. So the Bucks are far from done there. Uh, they also still have Blaine Gabbert on their ever dwindling list of unrestricted free agents, which at the end of the Super Bowl was going to be 24 players long. And now it's down to like six or seven and only three or four of those have gone anywhere else. So it just continues an amazing ability to keep this team intact. And Ryan Griffin, you know, he's only thrown four passes in the regular season. That's part of the story. It's kind of amazing that it's worked out that way. It's not an indictment. It just means when he, when he was the second guy, the first guy always stayed healthy. You know, two years ago in 2019, Blaine Gabbert hurt his shoulder in the preseason, ended up on injured reserve and Ryan Griffin was your number two. And, you know, James Winston just played every snap just about. And then last year, Blaine Gabbert was healthy. So Ryan Griffin was the three. And when, uh, we were torching the Lions at halftime and they pulled Tom Brady. It was Blaine that got to play. So Ryan obviously knows the system very well. He's got two years now under his belt in, uh, in Bruce Arians offense. And they always talk about how much they like what he does on the practice field. And I know we don't get to see most of that, but they say it all the time. So we have to assume, especially because they re-signed him again, this is the third new contract he's gotten with the Buccaneers since arriving in 2015. There's obviously value there. And of course, uh, the questions that we've been answering the last however many weeks is uh, when you talk about how dwindling the list of free agents is Antonio Brown, still one of those names on that list. Uh, what are the chances that he gets re-signed? What would it mean either way? And, and maybe just overall what the wide receiver room looks like with him and without him and, and the order of who would be considered maybe that third, fourth wide receiver on the team. Well, as, as this goes on longer and longer, you start to get the feeling that maybe the, you know, Antonio Brown won't be back. Uh, it certainly could still happen. And obviously there must be some disagreement on how much it would take for that to happen. And, and I guess one side or the other would have to change their mind um, on that. But the longer it goes on, you have to confront the reality that he might be the one guy that was kind of a significant contributor to the team last year that isn't back. And if you only lose one, you have to be pretty happy about that. Um, as for the receiving core, obviously it starts off with one of the best pairs in the league and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, when he was here, uh, he and healthy, he was basically the number three receiver most of the time. So that's what you're talking about. The guy that comes in, Chris Godwin usually goes into the slot. This guy would play on the outside. Um, Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson are the two obvious guys to pick up more playing time. And, you know, there's reason to be excited about that. We saw that Scotty Miller can make big plays at big moments too. And Tyler Johnson, you know, his catches were here and there because uh, he just didn't get a ton of playing time, but he made some big plays. And I'm sure the Bucks would um, like to see more out of both of those guys. So it's not like the cupboard's bare there at all, but it also does open up the possibility when you talk about the draft of the Bucks being able to go in any decision, in any direction they want, that receiver maybe becomes something you think about a little bit more. Yeah. And 
I know that uh, sometimes some of the wide receiver group can be used in the return game. And we had a couple of people asking what our return situation could look like this year. And if that would be something that the team would go after in the draft, that would that be a factor in, you know, maybe not your first round pick, but one of your middle round picks of taking a guy that could serve in a return role as compared to a guy who couldn't. Well, I hope it would. I would like to see that happen. I, you know, you could take a receiver who you're not sure that he can contribute right away uh, as a receiver, very much at least. But if he can start his career by being your main return man, then you definitely get value out of that pick. And, um, you know, Bruce Arians and, and Jason Light have talked about it, how, uh, you know, in addition to looking at players that they think will be good two years down the road, they're also going to be looking to see if these guys can contribute right away on special teams. And with some of those guys, like say a corner or something, they mean, can they be good cover guys? But that could also mean, can they help as a return man? And I would love to see that happen personally. And I, I'd even be happy to see it happen with a, fairly high pick like a first or second round pick so um but that's just me i i don't know for sure if uh, jason light and his crew and bruce arians are going to be targeting that specifically but i i'm in favor of it yeah and I, I thought this was interesting richard asked do you expect the bucks to simply pick the best player available in each round regardless of position so i know we've talked about this a lot in terms of the 32 pick and whether or not that's just a you know best player available or a certain position but is, is the answer to that different for different rounds in terms of positions of need versus just best player available? I think absolutely it's a different answer. Um, I do think the best player available strategy will be, I don't ever think personally that it's 100% best player, no matter how strong your depth chart is. If you got two guys and one is, you, and this isn't the scale, but if one you upgraded at 98, one you upgraded at 97, and you could probably use that second position a little bit more, you go that way. But I think later in the draft, for sure, you're, you're taking guys that maybe um, you, you do feel like you could lose, use a little bit more at this part of the depth chart or that part of the depth chart, or this guy could help us. We're looking at, we've got two offensive tackles or something that their contracts are up in a year. And so we should probably start preparing for that a little bit. I definitely think need comes into it a little bit more as you go farther down the draft. And then also it's a little harder when you're talking about like fifth, sixth and seventh round picks to actually say with confidence who the best player available is, because lots of times at that part of the draft, you're looking at guys that have one or two specific traits. If they were good at everything, if they're already proven at everything, they'd be a first or second round pick. But, you know, like let's take Scotty Miller. I mean, sixth round pick a couple of years ago, and he was fast. I mean, he was really, really fast. He's not a big guy, so he's not going in the first round. And he was from a fairly small school and not really a well-known prospect, but he was fast and the Buccaneers thought that, and quick, you know, sharp cuts and so on. The Buccaneers thought something could come of that, and it has. And I think that's what you're looking at a lot of times in the later rounds. All right, and Richard had asked, uh, how would you feel if we keep trading back to accumulate 2022 draft picks since we have a lot of players on one-year contracts? So we talked about trading back to accumulate more picks this year. Um, how likely would it be that they could trade back for picks for next year? Well, it, am I having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Richard? Is this the What's same? What's funny guy? is there's actually multiple, multiple Richards. Richards. Yeah. Well, they both have good ideas. I like this one a lot personally because um, – He's right. And in addition to the idea about a lot of one year contracts, which has been the case for a couple of years now, um, you also you, you wonder if the Buccaneers draft eight players, is there room for eight players, even with the 60 man practice squad? I guess with that there might be. But is there really room for eight guys to make this team? And 
so it makes a little bit of sense to acquire picks for a year or two years down the road when you might have more openings. And that's because, of course, as he said, a lot of one-year contracts. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I would love to see us trade down. You just have to find a team that wants to do it, though. I mean, it's not just you snap your fingers and say, okay, we're trading down 10 spots. You have to find a partner. Um, but I think it would be a great move. And in terms of uh, Gio getting signed, you know, Giovanni Bernard, we haven't really got to talk a lot about him um, since our recent shows. What does that mean for not only the, the draft and, and some of those, you know, needs versus best player available? And then what do you think it means for that running back room in, in terms of who gets what reps and what kind of role he could play? Yeah, well, you know, we carried four um, during the season and three of them are back. And the one that isn't back is LaShawn McCoy. So it's pretty obvious that Giovanni Bernard pretty much takes LaShawn McCoy's spot. And if you look back at it, you know, we, did, we had a little bit of trouble I don't know if trouble's the right word, but didn't really find a ton of opportunities for Keyshawn Vaughn, who was a promising third round pick. And then LaShawn McCoy, after the first month, barely played at all. So um, it's not as if there's a ton of opportunities available if you just go one to one. But it's never going to from 2020 to 2021. Of course, it's never going to play out exactly the same. Right. And if Giovanni Bernard proves in training camp or early in the season that he's, you know, maybe our most dynamic pass catching back, then I think he forces them to give him a little more playing time, um, you know, so maybe who, who loses snaps? I don't know. Or maybe the Buccaneers have a little bit more balance to their offense. They were about 29th or 30th last year in terms of run play percentage. And I think Bruce Arians would like to see that go up, but then you think about the draft and if the best player available and it's, it's glaringly there and it's this great running back, you still take them, but I don't think you go into this draft really prioritizing getting another back because you pretty much, I don't know what you would do with him with all these other guys that you have. Right. Yeah. So uh, Matthew asked, uh, what is one position where the depth is thin? So we're just talking about, we got all these, all these running backs. So uh, on, on the other side of things, is there a position that you, uh, if you had to pick one, because we obviously know at this point, when you win a Super Bowl, theoretically, you got a pretty good roster there, especially when you brought this many guys back. But yeah. if you had to pick one that the depth was a little bit less, what would you say? Yeah, your second part of that was true because you can win a Super Bowl but lose three or four uh, guys to free agency. That usually happens. So the two of those together mean the depth chart is really solid. And you know, I'm, I'm going through them in my head. Well, I will say I don't think it's a spot where a guy could play right away. But the Bucks inside linebackers – inside linebacker position is pretty thin and it was really all during last season. Fortunately, the depth didn't become needed, but you have that amazing duo of Levante David and Devin white. And then all you have otherwise right now is Kevin Minter. So, you know, they could bring back Jack Sitchi or Dayon Buchanan, but even then I'm not sure you think you got a guy for the long term. So uh, the depth there isn't great, but I don't know if that's a first round pick because I don't think that guy would get on the field for a few years if you're only playing two of them. Um, I guess interior offensive line, maybe a little bit, you know, you got Aaron Stinney now who's proven, um, proven a little bit after his nice run in the playoffs, but you don't have a lot of depth there behind the starters. And you do have a few guys like Ryan Jensen, whose contracts are up pretty soon. So I would, I'd probably pick those two spots, but they're definitely not glaring needs by any, by any case. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. And as always, we're going to be shooting a road to the draft after this. So stay tuned to that on Buccaneers.com. If you have more thoughts on the draft and what you want to hear if, in terms of need or what the Bucks might do. And we are so close. We've only got one more of these shows before the draft. We're almost here and we'll have some answers for all of those questions. So we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>